Welcome to the Wind Daily Podcast. It is late on Saturday night, almost Sunday morning. Um, Got to announce some some good news. Um, both myself and uh, Tenacious Jones took on five figures. Tenacious David Jones was in the FanDuel Finals in San Diego, and he took down, I think he finished in the top 20, took down 10K, made it a profitable weekend for himself. And I threw in a single bullet into the monster. Just, just I wanted to feel... Like I was kind of in San Diego, but I wasn't in San Diego. And I pretended like I had a bullet and see what would happen. And threw a lineup in the monster for $500 and ended up crushing. I ate chalk. I, I felt like I was eating chalk when I made my lineup. But, you know, after these home runs started ringing out for, you know, a couple of my players, Kepler started a game with a home run. Cave hit one late. Bregman hit one. I also took down uh, on 10K on um, on FanDuel and the Monster and finished in second place. Had a shot late if uh, my man Brandon's team down in Houston, if Springer did anything in the last couple of bats or Guriel did something, uh, had a chance at first, but in the last couple you know, at-bats, it didn't come through with anything big. So ended up finishing second place. It was a big win. Uh, I'll take it. And like I said, big shout-out to Tenacious Jones, David Jones, for you know holding it down in San Diego for us and, you know, competing. Well, we finished, I think I said, in the top 20. Uh, Brandon, we got a lot to talk about. I don't want to talk about myself much longer, but while I'm here sweating David in the live finals, I'm sweating my lineups. I sweated my bet on Florida, which had me, you know, probably in the worst sweat of them all because um, that, that game was disgusting. You know, late in the game, they just didn't want to end the game. Then we get news middle of the night that Andrew Luck is just going to retire out of the blue. You know the guy personally. You've, you know, watched him in, in high school and college. Were you shocked by seeing what he did, or was it not a surprise to you? Yes and no. Uh, I was obviously shocked to see that you know, he did announce his retirement. It's obviously something that no one except Andrew Luck uh, saw coming. Uh, but when it comes to the question of whether he stays retired, I think he does. Uh, you mentioned I did uh, cover him while he was in high school at Stratford down in the Houston area. Uh, you know, obviously followed him uh, through his time at Stanford and his time at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he's a kid that's not wired to want to play this game, you know, like a Tom Brady or Drew Brees uh, who could play well into their 30s and 40s. He's 29 years old, decides that, you know, it's time to let go. You know, the constant uh, vicious cycle, as he put it, of injury, rehab, you know, getting back to health. Uh, you know, starting to take its toll. It's a guy who missed 26 games uh, over his career. And, you know, it really, you know, he talked about how it took the joy away from him. And it's easy to understand that. Uh, it was kind of disrespectful for Colts fans to boo him on the way off the field. It's unexpected, obviously, but uh, it obviously leaves a massive impact, uh, not only in the NFL, but obviously in the fantasy football scene as well. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Unfortunately for myself, um, I got some T.Y. Hilton shares. I have some Eric Ebron shares. Who's their backup quarterback? Is he going to be able to throw the ball around, or is this offense going to be completely depleted? You know, Luck put him in every game last year. He, they're, they're, he was the only reason that they were in these games, and they were a high-scoring offense because their defense was a little suspect. Um, fantasy relevance now. Who's their backup quarterback? I don't even know who it is, to be honest with you. I haven't checked yet. Um, but what happens to T.Y.? What happens to Ebron? I, I automatically think you're going to have at least at least a 30 
maybe 40% drop off in those guys and, and the wide receiving core and a guy like Hines. Um, what are you predict, predicting out of the Colts offense now? I don't think that it's going to be as drastic as everyone puts it to be. Now, Jacoby Brissett will be the starting quarterback. Brissett's still there, huh? Uh, yeah, he'll be the guy. Uh, and the thing is, is that you know, when he did start a couple of years ago, that team obviously was bad. You know, without question, it was a horrible, uh, it was a horrible all around. Uh, but that's a much improved team. They've got a run game, obviously, uh, with Marlon Mack. You know, you've got Naheem Himes, who will also be a factor in there as well. I think that while Brissett doesn't offer you the explosiveness that a luck provides, he will be efficient enough to get the ball to Hilton. I think he'll keep Hilton uh, fairly fantasy relevant. I think that uh, I could see Marlon Mack uh, getting a step up, uh, maybe a notch or two uh, in the running back rankings because I think that he'll be uh, used a heck of a lot more. They'll probably do a lot of short passing, which means that a guy like a Hind uh, will have a little more value in there as well. Uh, whereas, you know, the value of that offense, you know, takes a hit, obviously. I don't think it's going to be a complete crash and burn uh, with that Indianapolis offense. I think that Brissett will be a decent quarterback. I think that he'll have flashes of brilliance, not a guy that you want to use on a weekly basis in fantasy football, but a guy that uh, you could use if you're like if you like to play the two-quarterback format. I think he'll be serviceable. Yeah, it's always a question. Like, to me, I, I kind of think the drop-off is going to be a little bit heavier. I think, you know, the rest of the team, you know, a guy like T.Y., you know, his motivation might sink. You know, Brissett is serviceable. You know, I remember seeing him play, and he, he kept people in games. They might run some option. And I just think they're going to be in less scoring opportunities. You know, they'll be playing from behind, which, you know, might give them a boost at times, you know, a lot more without luck. Um, with Brissett there, I think the downfield capabilities go down. Those big passing plays, the T.Y. probably go down. Like I said, the scoring opportunities, that goes down. So I think I give him a downgrade, you know, maybe not 30%, 40%, but, you know, I wish I didn't draft T.Y. I wish I didn't draft Ebron because I just don't see them in, you know, scoring as many points as, as I predicted with Luck because, you know, every game last year, I think Luck was, every time I remember seeing the box score, at least the, the game lines were, 28 points, 35 points, 30 points. He's always throwing. He's never out of a game. Even if they're down 20 at the half, Luck will find a way to get him back in the game. And I don't think a guy like Jacoby will do that. Um, so I have a bigger downgrade. And then on that same team, I got Lamar Miller, and he goes down. And he was a guy I picked up just to have, not a guy I liked. I actually got sniped, you know, in the round before. And I, I couldn't get James White. So Lamar Miller just kind of fell to me in the next round. And I didn't want him. I didn't think it was going to tear his ACL, but I just didn't want him because I don't like the player. What happens in Houston? You're a Houston, you know, um, you're from Houston. You're, you're around the town. You're around the team. Um, is it just Duke Johnson, Duke Johnson, Duke Johnson, or are there other guys there that maybe become fantasy relevant now? Uh, right now, I would have to say it's Duke Johnson, Duke Johnson, Duke Johnson. Obviously, the Texans are probably going to uh, look and see which plug, what uh, running backs are suddenly going to be on the street once you get on cut down day. But if you're looking for maybe an op a second option in the running game, uh, Demaria Crockett, the rookie out of Missouri, is probably going to be uh, my choice. Uh, Tywin Jones has had a pretty good camp, but I don't see him being someone that would get a lot of carries. Uh, they do like Karan Higdon 
uh, rookie from Michigan. But in my opinion, I think it is going to be uh, Crockett, 5'11", 225, big guy, can run between the tackles. Uh, is similar to Lamar Miller, not the pass catcher that Miller was, but I think that Crockett could be useful uh, you know, to a certain extent. But to me, Duke Johnson's going to be the guy. And I think that with the way uh, that offense will look now without Lamar Miller, I could see Duke Johnson putting up some serious numbers in PPR formats this season. It's crazy, man. That guy, that guy went from like, you know, he went from a situation where he probably wasn't going to be used much. He's like, oh, all right, I'll go to Houston, you know, third down back involved in the passing game. I got the Sean Watson, D hop next to me. And then five days later or 10 days later, whatever it is, he, he turns into a massive role. He has a huge opportunity now to shine in a, in a, Number one role in a potent offense. This guy stepped in some nice, nice uh, situation here. So whoever picked him up late in drafts um, just for third down backs and some usage out of that just stepped in some luck because, you know, he can go into – in that offense, if he becomes the bell cow, I think he ends up being a top ten running back. What do you think? If everything plays out. Like if everything everything plays out, he's a number one guy in an offense. He stays healthy. Houston does what they do, and they don't bring, like, another back in or make a trade. Duke Johnson, top 10? Uh, I can see him being a strong top 15, maybe on the outer edge of the top 10, right off the bat. Where do you draft him now? Like, going into drafts right now, Duke Johnson goes off the board where? I can see Duke Johnson going off the board as early as the uh, fourth, maybe fifth round uh, at this point. Uh, probably a little bit earlier in PPR formats. When you look at Duke Johnson and you look at that offense, you start to think that maybe he might be a poor man's uh, Christian McCaffrey in the sense that he can do a lot of what McCaffrey does. He just doesn't have, uh, you know, that explosiveness that a McCaffrey offers. But you know, when you look, now at let the me guy, let me ask you let me ask you some tough questions then. Okay. Josh Jacobs, Duke Johnson. I'm going to take Duke Johnson because of the uh, potency of the offense. Duke Johnson, Leonard Fournette. Uh, again, I will take Johnson, potency of the offense. Plus, uh, yo, you're not going to get much out of Fournette as far as receiving. Gurley or Johnson? Uh, I would probably take a slight edge to Gurley, but at this point, if you took Johnson over Gurley, I would not fault you much. Dalvin Cook? Uh, probably, uh, would take, uh, Johnson. I'm starting to think. Really, really. So you got it. You got him. So now we're talking about Damian Williams, Nick Chubb area. You got him ahead of them two? Uh, I would probably, uh, not put them ahead of those two. Okay. So he's probably where he stops. So he's outside looking into the top 10. You got McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara, Connor, Bell, David Johnson, Mixon, Zeke, Damian Williams, Nick Chubb. Then you got Duke. Yeah, that's exactly where I would put Duke, right behind there. Like I said, you know, not a top 10 guy, but he's on the outside looking in. Yeah, I, I think it's tough between Dalvin Cook. I think Dalvin Cook is a really good, very solid um, running back and a good offense. I think that's a very – that's a tough line there. Like, I think depending on how my team's looking, depending on what kind of league it is, you know, maybe I'll go to Duke or, you know, Cook. That's very tight there, but I, I agree. He's healthier than Gurley. He's in just as good of an offense as Gurley with less people behind him. Like, we don't really know. Like, I, I have Lamar Miller, and when I heard the news, I'm like, do I really drop and pick up this guy I've never even heard of? Just pick him up blind? I did it. You know, I didn't know anything about the guy you mentioned. 
um, and I have him on my squad now. But that's how big of a role I think Duke Johnson has because this guy, the Maria Crockett, you know, you know about him because you're from Houston and you're around the team a lot more. But I never heard about this guy, you know, prior to just putting him on my roster just, you know, for a flyer right now. But I agree. It's a big move. This might be a bigger move than, you know, the luck news. Because if you if you fell into – if you lost luck, you know, you can grab another quarterback and you'll be all right. But if you fell into Duke Johnson, that is – you know, you might have him as your number three or number four running back on your team, and now you got to slide him into the starting roster unless you somehow stacked up, you know, two top running backs in your first two picks. Um, he's in your top ten for sure. Um, we have a game, and, Brandon, you want to kind of bring everybody on, you know, for that NFL game. It's going to be a showdown slate. Showdown slates are tough. You want to be different. It's tough to be different. And then to be different in a preseason game, you know, go right ahead, Brandon. Just talk about some of the plays that you do like in a game. Let's not spend too much time on it, but let's get some of the information out there to the to the listeners. Yep, yeah, you get uh, Michaels Collinsworth. It's a foyer for this one. Uh, Steelers and Titans, uh, eight Eastern on uh, NBC. I don't suspect you're going to see a lot of uh, of the starters. Although uh, Mike Tomlin did confirm that Ben Roethlisberger will play uh, on Sunday night. Uh, it's probably going to go maybe a quarter and a half, according to uh, what Jeremy Fowler at ESPN is reporting. You'll look at Josh Dobbs and Mason Rudolph looking to complete uh, the game from there. Uh, if you're looking for Steelers outside of the starters, uh, you probably might want to take a look at Jalen Samuels uh, at running back. Maybe a little bit of Benny Snell Jr., who's had a very impressive uh, training camp uh, at wide receiver. Uh, it's a tough, you know, battle as far as that number two wideout goes outside of Juju Smith-Schuster. So you're going to take a look at James Washington and also Dante Moncrief. Those two guys are going to be the uh, focus on that. You know, if you're looking for someone in the second half, we might go big. Uh, Ryan Switzer, uh, Kevin Jones, and uh, maybe a Johnny Holton uh, in there as well. Xavier Gremble at tight end is probably the guy that I would look at uh, at that position for the Steelers. Now, for the Titans, uh, again, you know, it does seem like that uh, Marcus Mario Todd does not have a hold on the starting job. So it could be a coin flip with him and uh, Ryan Tannehill. I think you said, wait, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me hear this correctly. Mariota's not locked into the starter job? He is not locked into the starting job, no. Really? Uh, Tannehill, he's not. You know, and it's a shock, but he is not locked into the starting job. Uh, Ryan Tannehill apparently has come in and had a very strong camp. So uh, Mario Todd, I think, will win the starting job, but he's going to have to earn it. And he's probably in a lot of what he does on Sunday night is going to uh, to determine you know whether or not he gets that opportunity. Uh, you probably will see maybe a quarter or so out of Derrick Henry from there. You're probably going to see a lot of uh, the younger backs, uh, David Fluellen, the one guy I want to see out of Tennessee will be uh, Jeremy McNichols. Kind of a Duke Johnson back uh, out of Boise State uh, going into his second year. Uh, at wide receiver, you know, I want to see what you get out of Corey Davis uh, in his time there. Uh, Adam Humphreys is a very interesting uh, guy, probably locked in maybe the third or fourth wide receiver spot. Uh, at tight end, uh, Michael Pruitt is an interesting guy. You're probably not going to see a lot of Delaney, uh, Delaney Walker. You know, and probably, you know, you're looking at Johnny Smith, who will probably get the bulk of the uh, touches at tight end. So, just to recap, you think 
from the quarterback standpoint, do any of these guys get the boatload of the work? Do any of these quarterbacks get in there for more than two quarters? I think that if there's one who gets in for more than two quarters, it will probably uh, be it would probably be Tannehill. Okay. And from the wide receiver standpoint, do any of these wide receivers get more than two quarters? Uh, I don't think that you're going to see uh, anyone get uh, more than two quarters. Uh, you're probably going to see, you know, again, the starters probably going to see maybe a quarter and change, but everyone else is going to be uh, rotated in and out. You've got a pretty tight race uh, at the uh, backup wide receiver spots for both teams, so you're going to see a lot of their reserve receivers get extensive action in the third and fourth quarters. And if you had to pick one guy, because he's showdown slates, you got to pick a captain on DraftKings. So if you had to pick one guy, independent of price, price is not a, a factor in this, um, one guy who's going to end up being the top scorer of the slate. Actually, give me two guys. Um, who's the two top scorers of the slate? You got to predict two guys. Uh, I think they're both these Steelers. Uh, give me Benny Snell Jr. at running back and uh, give me uh, Mason Rudolph at quarterback. I think that uh, if you get Rudolph in there and uh, he and James Washington, former Oklahoma State uh, pitch and catch combination, I think that those two will look to uh, hook up. Uh, Rudolph has had a fairly strong training camp, but you've also uh, seen Josh Dobbs have a pretty good camp as well. But I do think that if you're going with those two, both Steelers, give me uh, Benny Snell Jr. and also uh, give me Mason Rudolph. So how does this lineup sound to you? I'm kind of building a lineup on DraftKings while you're talking. So I'll put Rudolph in my captain, right? Um, no, then Snell other... is captain. Uh, you want Snell a captain. All right, so let's throw Snell in captain. Hold on, let me rearrange my lineup to make sure this still works. Okay, it still works. So I'm going to put Snell in my captain. I'm going to put Fluellen um, in my flex, Mason Rudolph in my flex, Switzer in my flex, Tannehill in my flex, and James Washington in my flex. Do you like that, or do, I like one, of that. These, do one of these I, guys got to go? I like that. I think that you know, you're going to get the majority of your offense uh, from your Steelers. So you know, leaning Steelers, you know, a Steelers stack per se, is probably the, the direction I would go. So let me ask you one last question. Does Snell, Rudolph, Switzer, and Washington all play at the same time? Because – if they do, I'm kind of negating partially, you know, my lineup. So I kind of want like half of my lineup going to be playing the first half. I don't want these guys playing together unless they're a Rudolph to Switzer combination makes sense. But is is Snell going to eat into Rudolph or Snell going to eat into like the starters? How how do you see how do you see Rudolph, Snell, Switzer, and Washington playing? Are they going to be playing a lot together? Or are they going to be playing at different times? I think you're going to be playing at different times. You know, Pittsburgh is going to go with a lot of three wide receiver. Uh, so you're going to see Washington in there with the starters uh, for uh, most of the time. Snell's probably going to get the bulk of the carries. And you also have to remember that, you know, when you look at Rudolph, he's probably going to get a quarter and a half along uh, with uh, Joshua Dobbs getting a quarter and a half as well. So I think that, you know, you're not going to get, a, you're not going to get much, uh, a much bumping uh, with those guys. All right. All right. So uh, I'm going to lock that lineup in. And if it does well, I'll, I'll send some uh, money, you know, to your house. You got to send me the address or I'll PayPal you some money if this works out. So cool. we'll figure it out. Um, let's talk. Let's talk some baseball, though. You know, we have a pretty big slate when it comes to baseball. So let's switch up um, and, and talk some baseball. Let's go quick through this as quick as possible, because we have a looks like we have a six eleven game 
main slate on FanDuel. We're starting um, in Tampa Bay with Baltimore. Baltimore, you know, and Dylan Bundy, he came out last game and kind of, I don't know if you'd call it shocking the world, but he went out there and won some people some money because he played, you know, he played really good coming off a good start. But Tampa's a tough lineup. I don't know if I want Bundy here. I'll probably stay away from the recency bias and stay away from this game. Nothing too sexy for me. Do you, do you trust Bundy here? Do you want to take a shot on Bundy here at 7,100 versus Tampa Bats in Baltimore, or do you want to stay away? I would stay away from them. Tampa's Bats obviously do a lot better uh, outside of the trop, so this is one you definitely stay away from. Gotcha, gotcha. I agree. Um, it looks like Tampa's going with uh, one of their bullpen games, so really, we really don't know who it's going to be right now, so I'm just going to stay away from that. Um, second game in the slate, we got Shane Bieber. Um, pitching at home, pitching pretty lights out all season long. He's going to be one of your top arms of the slate. Got one of the softer matchups versus Kansas City. There's one guy above him that I like better that we'll talk about soon, but Bieber's definitely in play, and I definitely like a Cleveland stack here. They're probably going to come in as one of the biggest favorites versus Eric Soglin. Um, Ramirez started a game, left a game. Do you know what happened to him, or did you not see the report? I did not see the report on that. Yeah, so it looks like he he started the game, he hurt his wrist, um, and chances are, I'm assuming he won't play on Sunday. Um, he took a swing in the first inning and just hurt his wrist somehow. So, you know, maybe he's back, maybe he's not. But either way, there's guys in his lineup that we want. Reyes hit another home run on Saturday night. Mercado's price creeped down. Puig's price creeped down. Lindor has been hot. So, you know, you can play any of these guys, Santana, maybe go over Roberto Perez. I like a Cleveland stack, though, in this game. Do you agree? Oh, I totally agree. Just if you're looking at the slate, they would probably be one of the top three stacks uh, that you would go with, even with uh, Ramirez sitting out tomorrow, if that's the way it's looking. Yeah, I think Beaver's playable, and I, I don't mind playing Cleveland along with them. Um, going into New York, it's my team. They've had a tough series here with – these Braves, Braves are obviously the better team in the East, but they've been in every game, and this game kind of comes out as a, as a must-win, and I think they show up here. I don't like either of these two pitchers. I think this could be more of a slugs fest than a, than a pitcher game. Uh, Match versus Keiko. I'm staying away from both pitchers. I'm probably not going to stack fully here, but Alonzo broke out with a big home run. Acuna has been pretty much on fire all year long. So he's in play against the lefty. I'll probably pick and choose. Maybe Donaldson. Donaldson's pretty cheap at 3200 on FanDuel. I'll probably cherry pick Alonzo, J.D. Davis, Acuna, Donaldson. That's where I'll start to look. Not for full stacks, but um, definitely some guys that are playable. Do you like Keiko? Do you like Mats? Or do you want to stick with the bats with me? Uh, I would probably uh, stick with the bats, although Keiko has looked good over his last couple of starts, one run over 12 innings. Uh, again, you know, you, you look at the way uh, this series has gone and the way that uh, both Keiko and Mats have pitched, you know, their overall bodies have worked this season. I could easily see this being about the bullpens early. Yeah, you know, I, I think, like you said, you know, Mats has been pretty good. Keiko's been pretty good. I think they probably – if I had to predict a game, they probably each give up around three runs in five or six innings, and it's going to be a bullpen game, and God knows what can happen when guys like Familia and you know the Braves bullpen get in the game. So I'm going to stay away. The next game is probably your best pitching arm of the slate, Aaron Nola going into Miami. 
But these Miami Marlins, man, I don't know if you saw the game the other day when they dropped 99 when everybody liked Vincent Velasquez, um, liked him for value. You know, they came in and dropped 19 runs on these Phillies. So I, I have no problem going back to the well, though. I think Nola is your obvious top arm on the slate. He's got the softest matchup. I think it's pretty much a no-brainer. If he does bad, you know, I'll eat the chalk again with Nola. And as far as Philly goes, Harper's been heating up here a little bit. He's in play, but I don't really like stacking Philly. I don't think their offense is as good as it's advertised as. But Bryce Harper is a one-off, and Nola is a one-off. Definitely in play for me. How Do you have Nola as your top pitching arm on the slate, or do you have somebody else above him? With that question, I think it'll be Nola. Uh, Harper does look like he's still on paternity leave, so uh, he won't be in the lineup. Uh, there's in without him, uh, there's not a lot that I would like, uh, in that lineup in Philadelphia. Uh, it just seems to me that, you know, you go with Nola and, uh, run with him as, uh, just run with him and, uh, leave everything else alone. So let me ask you a question here. You know, me and David Jones, uh, Tenacious Jones talk about this a lot when we're, you know, we're, when, when we're in the experts Slack channel and we're talking or we're talking through text, we like to play narratives. What do you think about playing narratives? You know, narratives, you know, being a guy coming off a paternity list or a guy on his birthday or a team in a must win or for whatever reason, Acuna just mashes the Marlins um, because they keep on hitting him and stuff like that. Do you like playing narratives in DFS? Uh, I do like to play them. I think that they do offer a little bit of value. Yeah. You know, you got to pick your spots. You know, I'm not going to play every narrative out there, but. If something feels good and it feels good when I when I read it and it feels good in my gut, I don't mind. You know, I won't make my decision based on a narrative, but you know, I, I won't mind giving a guy a, a bump based on something that I see um, that makes sense. Um, now we got this game, Cincy and Pittsburgh. This series has been kind of playing weird, at least to me. Um, Bowers going into Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's been heating up a little bit, I guess. You know, I, I would call it heating up. Um, but Bauer is, is one of the top arms on the slate here. He's definitely somebody that you can feel confident pitching. Um, it's tough, though. If, you, if we want to compare Nola to Bauer, who do you like better? Nola versus Miami, Bauer versus Pittsburgh. How do, how do you rank these two? It's tight. They're close to the same price. How do you rank them? I would go ahead and take Nola. Uh, you don't know what you're going to get out of Pittsburgh. Uh, I went in thinking uh, on Saturday that you can go in with a, a small red stack against Trevor Williams with the way he had been pitching uh, over the past couple of weeks. Turns out that turned to be a bomb because the Pirates win 14-0 and Williams cruises to a W. Yeah, it was pretty pretty impressive start by Williams. You know, I, I didn't have that game going that way either. I stayed away, luckily, but um, I'm definitely not pitching Chris Archer. You know, I think since he could be kind of sneaky, guys like Aquino, who just came up raking, uh, make some sense. You have some left leads in the lineup, but I got this game. I like Bauer though. You know, I don't, I don't think, I think I have Nola in front of him for sure, you know, by probably five or 10 points just because the, the matchup is softer, but Nola goes out there and he, I mean, uh, Bauer goes out there and, and K's nine, 10 guys almost every other day. So I don't hate to play. I'll probably have some exposure if I'm making multiple lines, maybe I'll have some exposure to Bauer, but I still have Nola slightly ahead there. Um, now we have a game going back into Minnesota, Minnesota, were one of the teams I stacked on Saturday night to make me some money. I went with guys like Kepler, Sano, um, Cave. But I don't know if I want to go against Matt Boyd. Uh, Matt Boyd's a lefty. 
this might be the time to roll out Cruz by himself or just stay away from everybody jumping on the Minnesota bandwagon. Cruz, Sano, they still make a lot of sense to me. How are you going to play uh, this Minnesota team versus a guy like Matthew Boyd? I would agree with you. And it also is one of those narrative scenarios because you've got Boyd coming off of paternity leave. Oh, uh, there we go. There we go. He's looking to try to get a win. Uh, did get the nine strikeouts in his last start, seven innings, one run ball. So that would be that's a tricky scenario. It's a tricky play there. Uh, Minnesota obviously, you know, has hit them pretty well in the first two games. But, you know, between Boyd, you know, you add that narrative, being a new dad there and everything, I think that this just looks as a trap game for uh, Twins bats. Yeah. You know, I try to stay away from teams sometimes when they've been doing really well and, and find a reason to fade them because the, the public's going to be on them. And I think this might be the case here. Um, can't pitch Martin Perez. Uh, can't really stack Detroit either. So this game kind of looks like a fade to me. I'm going to stay away. Um, now we have a game, Texas versus Chicago. This guy, Brock Burke, I don't know too much about him. I'll be honest. I haven't seen him pitch live yet. I'll be honest. Um, but he, he faced these, the Angels in his first start. He you know he dropped 34 points. He got a quality start, went six innings, four Ks. Now he gets a softer matchup. Um, do you know much about him, You know, being from Texas? Do you know anything about this dude? Uh, lefty, uh, with, uh, you know, with a decent comp, with a decent pitch combination, uh, pitched well, like you mentioned, you know, four inning, four strikeouts, six scoreless innings. Uh, he's, this is one that you'd want to stay away from. It is a soft matchup against the White Sox, but you also have to think that the guaranteed rate field, depending on the win and everything, you know, this game could easily turn into a slugfest. Both these teams have the ability to, uh, generate runs with mediocre pitching and with the way that uh you know Ronaldo Lopez has pitched well uh in the second half he's probably got I would take a small look at I think small consideration in and a GPP uh but uh I would stay away from this one as far as pitching is concerned I think they're both interesting you know I think for GPPs only like in cash games you go Nola or Bieber or Bauer and you just you don't think about it um but for GPPs these two guys make a lot of sense on paper. For the fact that I haven't seen Brock Burke pitch, it makes a little bit more of a gamble for me. But at a price tag of 6700 versus a high K upside team in the White Sox, you know, it makes some sense as well. So I got to do, do some more digging. I got to be honest. You know, the matchup makes sense, but I got to see what I could pull up on this guy Burke, maybe watch some tape. But at 6700 on FanDuel, He's probably in line for the win. I think, you know, if I had to peg this game, I think he's in line for the win because the Texas offense is slightly better. So he's going to come in as a favorite. He he pitched against a, a stronger team before, and he got 34 points. If he got me 30 points, I'd be ecstatic. You know, I'd be very happy. I think a 6,700 makes a lot of sense. So I think I'm going to grab some shares, man. I think I'm going to take a chance. You know, it's, it's fantasy. It's baseball. You got to take some spots where you take chances. And I think I might want to take – some chances, not in cash games, but in GPPs and Burke. And as far as stacks go, I'm going to stay away from both these teams. Um, now I have a game, L.A. and Houston. Houston was the other team I stacked along with Minnesota, you know, on Saturday night. That made me some money. I don't mind going back to them here. I might switch it up here since they have a righty in Berea going. I might go with Alvarez over Springer, who let me down. If he came through, could have been, you know, an extra 15 grand, but... It is what it is, um, but against Berea, that's when I'll start pulling out guys like Alvarez over Springer, and hopefully he comes through. 
you know, Bregman and Altuve, they can pretty much hit anybody in the league. So I would complete the stack with probably Alvarez, Bregman, Altuve. And then that fourth guy is a question mark right now. It's either maybe Reddick, maybe I go with Chirinos, maybe I go with Springer still, or, you know, try to maybe he'll just be a three man stack of, of Astros because they're quite expensive. So um, I like the stack. Sanchez burned us all in his last start. He coming off a very soft matchup. And I think he was either facing Detroit or Chicago. And he laid an egg, only lasted two innings, got pulled from the game. Yeah, it was versus Detroit. But he's back now. Can you play Sanchez or are you staying away here? Uh, Sanchez actually is on the disabled list. Uh, so they're going with uh, Framber Valdez uh, that they called up uh, from AAA. Uh, 1-3, 8-10 ERA and 5 starts uh, with Houston. Uh, left-hander, which is part of the reason that I would probably consider you know, sliding in Albert Pujols. Uh, as a low risk play at first base, uh, he hits well. You know, obviously he hits well uh, in Minute Maid Park. You look at his career numbers; he's had a pretty strong week at the plate. So he would be a pretty interesting play here uh, with a lefty who is also home run prone. Yeah, this guy Valdez. I remember when he pitched early in the season. I played him a couple of times and. He's got some K upside. He throws hard, if I remember this dude correctly. Yeah. And he had a couple good starts mixed in with a couple terrible starts. Like, he had a start versus Toronto. We dropped 46. He had a start versus Baltimore. He dropped 43. Is he stretched out, or is he is he coming in for three innings? Do you have any idea there? Uh, no, he's going to be stretched out on this one. Um, he uh, did go seven and a third innings, gave up four runs, four hits uh, in his last start at uh, in, uh, for Round Rock. On Monday night, so he's going to be uh, not. He's going to get the opportunity to be stretched out, and uh, with the way that uh, the Astros have uh, pitched this weekend, I wouldn't be surprised if you can get a solid uh, six, if not, you know, maybe a six and a third or so out of him, uh, with the possibility of a good strikeout total. Yeah, it might be. I'm probably going to stay away. You know, I probably take a chance on this guy Burke over Valdez because um, of the matchup. Versus the White Sox versus, you know, having to face Trout and guys like that. So I think it's more of a stay away. You know, if I really want to get cute, I really want to take a risk on a, a lower entry GPP. Maybe Valdez makes some sense. But I think an Astro stack makes the most sense. And you can play Mike Trout. He's good at baseball. You know, anytime he's versus anybody in any lineup, he's playable. You get him against a, a, a weaker lefty and he becomes one of the top plays of the slate. I like Alvarez over him, uh, but Trout is definitely in play here. And we can't, can't deny the guy's talent. So, you know, maybe Trout, maybe Pools, like you mentioned, would be two good possibilities to, to throw out there um, as far as your lineups go. Next game we got going here is, let me pull it back up. We got Arizona going into Milwaukee. Robbie Ray looks like he's he's going to make the start, um, even though he had some back issues. He will start. Um, not a guy I'm going to target, you know, as, as good as he can be. I'm never really a big Robbie Ray fan. He's too up and down, not consistent for me for a guy I have to pay a lot of money for. So I'm going to stay away here from Arizona. I'm probably going to stay away here from Milwaukee, and it's going to be a fade game for me. If you can sell me on a reason to play Robbie Ray, let's hear it. Uh, I cannot give you a legitimate reason to start <laughs> Robbie Ray on this one. Uh, the Brewers have hit the uh, Diamondbacks well all season long. Uh, so I wouldn't say that's perhaps the main reason I would not uh, do it, but he is coming off the disabled list. Uh, Zach Davies uh, probably is another guy who's uh, getting his second start off of coming from the disabled list. 
uh, did go 75 pitches in his last outing. They're going to try to stretch him out a little more, get him around uh, the 90 to 100 range. But this is in uh, both cases, this neither pitcher is appealing, and I'd probably stay away from the bats as well. All right, so we got two games left. We got St. Louis, who is fighting desperately for a playoff spot, whether it's a wild card or whether it's essential here. And they keep on, they started to hit Goldschmidt's kind of turn around his season. Guys like Azuna's back. Fowler's been hitting better. Wong's been hitting. DeJong's been hitting. So, you know, St. Louis is back on the map as far as, you know, DFS purposes go. Um, I think they make some sense again. I can't play Waka um, as much as I'd like to get some value out of the dude. You know, that guy has all the talent in the world, just can't put it together. I'm staying away from Waka. I'm obviously not playing Santatella either. It's it's a Cardinals stack or nothing for me in this game. Anything that you want to touch on as far as the Cardinals go? Uh, I do like uh, Tommy Edmund. Uh, I think that uh, there is some uh, like some potential uh, in him. If you are going to go to Cardinal stack, obviously you're going to put uh, Goldschmidt in there. I think you'd like to put Dexter Fowler in there as well. Uh, one of their other uh, middle infield uh, pop guys, you know, maybe a Paul DeJong uh, would fit in. Uh, Carpenter there's... Wong. They've been throwing. Yeah. They've been they've been kind of switching up their lineup a little bit. But if you go with a guy like Nola, who we both like. And you go with Goldschmidt, Carpenter, Edmund, and Fowler, you have $3,000 left in your lineup for the rest of your four positions on average. So it's a nice little start to your stack. I don't mind. You know, I like St. Louis. We mentioned a couple teams earlier, but St. Louis makes a lot of sense. They got to win these games. Um, last game in the slate now, it looks like this is going to be your pitcher's duel of the slate. Strasburg versus Hamels. I'm not attacking either of these two options. Offenses with pitchers, you know, you can if you want. I won't hate you for playing Strasburg or Hamels, but Nats have been—they've been playing better than they played all season long. Their bats have awoken. They're fully healthy. Guys like Adams have been playing, you know, lights out. Turner, Rendon, been consistent. They're getting production from Soto. They're getting production from Eaton. This lineup's kind of became powerful again. Um, they might be the reason why the Mets don't make the playoffs. And then Chicago, Chicago. Castellanos was a huge move for him. Guy is just raking ever since he came over in a trade. And they already had a strong lineup to begin with. So I don't really want to attack um, Strasburg against his lineup. So I'm fading it all around. Do you have anything that you want to talk about in this game? Do you like Strasburg or Hamels or these offenses? I would. I like Strasburg in this one. I think that you probably will see him uh, you know, get a solid outing in there. Uh, also at Hamels, uh, again, I would totally agree with you that I would stay away from offense in this one. All right, so just a quick recap. Um, the way I got it ranked out, I got Nola first. I got Bieber and Bauer tied for second, and those would be my three cash game pitchers. And then uh, if I had to dig deep here and, and try to take some value, I think you take a shot in the Chicago-Texas game, and you split up some exposure with Lopez and hope he goes out there. And, you know, he has one of his big strikeout games because the Texas Rangers do strike out. And on the back side of things, I think Brock Burke, again, you want strikeout potential. White Sox provide you with that. I think those are the two value guys that I see on the slate that I would put my money behind as far as GPPs go. So you got the guys up top. You got the value below. Maybe, maybe give Martin Perez a shot. But, you know, I don't know how much I want to trust him. If you want to get 25 points out of him and maybe he can stay in there long enough to get the win, I don't hate to play. You know, he'd be the, the last value guy I would go down to you know, from Burke. And then for Stack's perspective, you know, we both like Cleveland. 
We both like um, the Houston Astros, maybe some Angels bats and um, Cardinals bats. Any of the teams that I forgot to mention outside of Cleveland, maybe some Phillies and these Angels and Astros and St. Louis Cardinals? Yeah, I would, I'm in agreement with you on, on each of those lineups. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, Brandon had some good things to talk about as far as, you know, drafts go. Have you done all your drafts so far this year, Brandon? Or are you still doing some? Uh, no, I'm actually doing my first draft uh, tomorrow afternoon at noon. Uh, first so draft tomorrow. Good timing for no. you, man. Yeah, so what yeah, pick exactly. you got? You know what uh, pick I've you got, got yet? Third, I do have third overall pick. I like that spot. You know, I like that spot. I'm assuming you'll either take Kamara, McCaffrey, or Barkley, whoever's there, right? Correct. Uh, whoever yeah. follows, whoever is there after the first two, yeah, definitely it will be my first pick. Yeah, I was kind of itching. I had the second, the second pick, and McCaffrey was there. I'm like, I kind of like last year. I forgot what pick I had, but I had like the fourth pick, and I really loved Kamara. But everybody was taking other people before Kamara, and I really wanted to take Kamara, but I knew he's more of a six pick, seven pick as far as consensus goes. And I, you know, I, I weaseled out. I didn't take the guy I wanted, and then Kamara went out there and did what he did. And I forgot who I took, but I, I wanted to do it, but I just couldn't pull the trigger. And same thing went this year. Like, I wanted to take Kamara over uh, McCaffrey. I just I just couldn't pull the trigger. So i almost rather have the third pick and just if, you know, whoever's there is there, and I just take it. I think, that's, I think the third pick is the best spot to be because the drop-off to go to fourth, I think it's a pretty major drop-off. It might not end that way, but I think it is, like, mentally, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, correct, you know, because once you get past those three, there is you know a bit of a mental drop. That's when you have to start looking uh, at you know at perhaps uh, DeAndre Hopkins uh, if you're starting to get a little skittish about the running backs. Uh, once you yeah, get past tough, four spots, a tough spot. Like I don't even know what I would do. Like do you just do you just force Hopkins there? Like if you were in the fourth spot and McCaffrey, Barkley, and uh, McCa- uh, Kamara off the board, you 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 go to Hopkins. I would look at Hopkins. I would uh, consider uh, looking at James Conner. I think that he's going to have a bigger role. Uh, the guy I want to reach you know, for there, but I, I'd be too too cowardly to do it. Yeah. Would be Lev Bell. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell is also a guy that you'd also uh, put into that scenario as well if you want to stay running back. But if you are looking at wide receiver, you probably will uh, look uh, in the direction of DeAndre Hopkins. Give me your hot take. What does Julio finish with this year? Uh, I think Julio will give you 1,200 yards. It'll give you six touchdowns. Six, you know, how sad is that, man? Like, I just I can't quantify how good a human being can be at catching footballs, but he just can't catch shutdowns. Like, they just don't throw in the ball, and it just doesn't happen. It's like the most frustrating and tilting thing in, in fantasy season-long and DFS to see this guy just run down the field. And then the Falcons often just can't score or they just can't get in the ball. It's the oddest thing in NFL last year that I couldn't just quantify how the guy – and then you predict him six touchdowns, and you have to put him in that spot. But, like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it, it doesn't make it – it's probably one of the strangest things you'll ever see is that, you know, one of the best wide receivers. He's not a small that. dude either. He's not like no, – you know, like, he's a big dude. He should be bullying people down there. He should be getting jump balls, just running people over. 
Yeah, you would think that he would be a beast in the red zone, but obviously that's not the case. Makes no sense to me. I, I can't fathom what it is. I don't know if it's a play call. I'm not smart enough to know if it's the play calling or it's the defense or just they're throwing everybody on his side. They just can't find him a ball. But, like, still, he's Julio Jones. He's probably one of the, the biggest receivers in the game, strongest receivers in the game. He can run every route. Jump ball should be his. It's it's just crazy to me. Like Megatron was like the same guy, and the guy would just they would just force him the ball in the end zone. No matter if he's triple covered, he would get the ball and he score a touchdown. I feel like Julio's the same dude. You know, maybe Mega, Megatron's a little bit better. You know, in the career he had in a short time, but I feel like they're the same guy, and he's got to force him the ball and make let him make a play. I think it comes down to uh, the quarterbacks. I think that you know with Matt Stafford, I think he was more of a gambling type willing to uh, put uh, uh, put Calvin Johnson in those situations, whereas uh, with Matt Ryan, he's a little more cerebral, tries not to uh, go with the jump balls, you know, the 50-50 balls and everything, tries to look for the open receiver, and if he sees that Julio's double, co- double cover, he won't take the risk of a jump baller scenario. He'll look to either find someone else or, you know, maybe that rare occasion that he'll take off and roll with the ball. Yeah, no, you're right. I think you, I think you hit it right on the head there. I think it's the, the difference in quarterbacks. I think Stafford is, you know, more of a gambling type. Uh, did you happen to see uh, Scott's uh, prediction on Matt Ryan and how high he's got it up there? He's got him. I think, I think he was pushing him as the number four quarterback in the draft. You got him that high as well. I wouldn't put him that high, but I can't understand where uh, Scott's enthusiasm for him comes from. Uh, I think that he will, you know, the offensive line is going to be much improved. You get uh, Devontae Freeman back. Uh, that offense will probably look a lot closer to the offense that they had when they went to the Super Bowl a few years back uh, than the offense that they had last year where, you know, it was just flashes of brilliance, but uh, an inconsistent run game and uh, really no legitimate options uh, at receiver outside of Julio. Yeah, Scott actually has him, from what I've seen before, he's got him at number two. QB. He's got him in front of Watson, got him in front of Rodgers, Roethlisberger. Um, what do you think about that? Who do you, who do you have in front of Ryan besides Mahomes? Uh, I would look at Carson Wentz. I think that, you know, and I you put it out in our podcast, I think Carson Wentz ends the season as the uh, top fantasy quarterback uh, in uh, football, in fantasy football this season. I really? That's a bold yes, call right there. Uh, yeah, I think that Wentz is going to explode with the weapons that he has there. Uh, I would probably, what weapons? What weapons do you see there? Be outside of Ertz, where do you see his weapons? Ertz, I think you're going to see a lot more of Dallas Goddard, uh, the kid uh, from Stanford, uh, Whiteside, uh, that they drafted in the third round. I think that he is going to be someone who's going to end up in the starting lineup at some point in the season. I think they got a potential stud uh, in him. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to have a huge fantasy impact this season, but I wouldn't be shocked a couple of years from now that this guy's a top 10, top 15 caliber of fantasy wideout. And do you do you believe the doubters out there, like a guy like Scott, he's got Breeze at 10. Why, why does everybody have Breeze so low, you know, on the totem pole? He's playing in the Dome. He knows what the hell he's doing. He's still got Thomas. He's still got Kamara. You can just dump off a ball to Kamara and a guy can break for 60. Why is everybody so down on Breeze? Did he, did he all of a sudden get old in one year, or what, what, what are people seeing here? I, I think that it's a case of where people are afraid of getting beat by Father Time. You know, there's always that there's a theory that you know you'd rather ditch 
a quarterback, one a ditcher ball player, one year before the uh, collapse, than one year after the collapse or being in that collapse. I think you know when you look at Peyton Manning, uh, there's a classic example. Uh, you look at what he did, you know that uh, what he did, you know had the monster season. Everyone thought that you know he'd be able to continue that, but uh, when he was not able to, you know you saw you know just how bad he was, and just saw how the uh, the collapse went with him. And you know, I think Father Time's undefeated, and as good as uh, Drew. It's not Brady, undefeated. There, there is a guy who defeats it every single year. Tom Brady. But you got to think that sooner or later, you know, Father Time is going to end up getting the best with him. And again, you know, that's part of the reason why there's a certain sense of hesitancy, not just because of the situation at receiver, uh, but there's this, uh, with both of those guys. You know, it's less with Breeze. I wouldn't rank Breeze 10, but I can understand why some people would have a sense of hesitancy with him because of the fact that he is getting up there in age and eventually, no matter how great he is, the fall off is going to come, and to a lot of people, that fall off won't be pretty. See, like when I, I'll leave it on this note. With quarterbacks, my whole approach to quarterbacks is I don't want any of them. You know, I really don't want any of them. I'll let them all sit there and sit there and sit there. And when I see these names, I know you say you got Wentz at two, Scott got Matt Ryan at two. Yeah, I can tell you, Matt, Pat Mahomes is going to finish number one. But outside of that, I don't see a huge drop-off personally. When I see names like Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan, I see like 1A and 1B. When I see a name like Ben Roethlisberger or Phillip Rivers, again, I see 1A, 1B. Um, You see a guy like Russell Wilson going higher, I see Lamar Jackson, 1A, 1B. Or I see Jameis Winston, 1A, 1A, or AA. I don't even know what the hell you call it, but like they're basically the same guy. And then I see people... Drafting Baker Mayfield like in the fourth or fifth round, I'm like you're out of your mind, dude. Like, yes, you're, you're really. I'll take I'll take Dak. I'll take Jameis. I'll take Brady. I'll take Derek Carr. Ten rounds later, after everybody got their quarterbacks, and I don't see that much of a difference. I could be wrong, but I don't see much of a difference between Baker Mayfield and Derek Carr. I know he's a shiny little toy, and everybody likes him, and they got Odell, and they got Landry, and Nick Chubb. But I think that game, that team, plays a defensive-minded game. They're probably going to be winning more games than people predict. And if they're winning more games, that means they're running the ball late with Chubb. And they're not throwing the ball around 300, 400 yards, you know, all day. And a a team like the Raiders might be down because their defense is suspect. And Derek Carr can just be, you know, throwing 70-yard, you know, out routes to Antonio Brown. He just breaks them. And Tyrell catches a couple passes. And... You know, they got Waller there. They have an offense there that my strategy for quarterbacks will always be. I'll go to the grave with it. I'm not taking any of them to late. I think that the drop-off is not significant. I want to stash my running backs. I want to stash my wide receivers. Have four or five each. So when Lamar Miller goes down, I still got Miles Sanders on my bench. I'm completely confident. I got McCaffrey. I got Ingram. I got, you know, Miles Sanders. I got... You know, now I got this dude Crockett I don't even know about, but I have four running backs there that I wouldn't have if it wasn't for me taking Phillip Rivers. I don't even know what I did. Maybe in the 12th round, 13th round I took Rivers in. I'm totally cool with that. And I got Derek Carr in the last round. You know, it's a 12-man draft, and I don't think you need to grab those quarterbacks early, man. 
No, and there's no need to uh, go after quarterbacks uh, early. You, know, and I, you you hit it right on the head uh, with your theory on quarterbacks. Uh, there's no need to go after them. You know, you look at uh, Roethlisberger, Rivers, you know, pretty much the same thing. Brady, Breeze, same thing. Jackson, Wilson, same thing. You know, there's no reason to go for a quarterback until at least the eighth round. It, I, it, does, it cracks me up. You know, to see guys that will go, you know, mid to late second round. Uh, somebody, yeah, yeah. Someone will grab my homes uh, in maybe the late second, early third. And then you're going to end up with some foolish quarterback run that's going to allow somebody like me to just lay back and grab ball players that I would not expect. Okay, fine. Yeah. If you want to go ahead and put me in a situation where you're going to get me Adam Thielen on top of, you know, having perhaps, say, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, okay, that's perfectly fine. Go ahead and let me have that. Every time someone drafts a quarterback, I'm like, great, because what what makes it even better is when you're sitting there and you look at everybody else and like, oh, everybody grabbed their quarterback. So nobody's going to grab a second quarterback. So that means I can wait a couple extra rounds. Now, the only time I get scared is when I'm like, all right, people are grabbing their second quarterback now. Now it's time to start. Now it's time to grab it. You know, that's the only time I start looking at my quarterback. It's like, all right, everybody's got theirs. I'm safe for a couple rounds because nobody's going to draft another quarterback after they just had it. And then maybe I'll go back-to-back and I'll grab, you know, my last draft, I grabbed Rivers late and I grabbed Carr with, like, one of the last picks. I'm like, I'm good. You know, I'm totally cool with that. So, um, Brandon, thanks for your time. Sorry to ramble and talk about football, but I know you like football and I like talking to you, bro. Yeah, so it's a big night. It was a big night for the team. You know, Tenacious Jones yep, held it yep. down in San Diego. I was lucky enough to to break five figures on FanDuel with uh, one single bullet. So that was cool. Um, Brandon, it's been a pleasure. And, you know, we can hopefully find a way to take down the showdown. He's mentioned a couple of players that I'm going to look at. We talked some NFL season long. We had a big day as far as news with Lamar Miller, Andrew Luck, just falling off the face of the earth real quick. We'll get more news, you know, as the night goes on and the morning starts. But um, it was a pleasure, Brandon. Good luck in your games on Sunday. And the NFL is only one week away, brother. Indeed, man. We got college football to start tonight, too. So now's a very good time to be alive, to be a football fan, too. All right, man. Have a good night. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Take it easy. Later, man. Later.